Welcome to the Hot Takes Podcast, where we're always seeking to be humble, open, and transparent. We have another great one for you today, so please be ready to be inspired, encouraged, and ready to take action. Here we go. Buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Welcome back, everyone, to the Hot Takes Podcast, where we are always humble, open, and transparent. I am your host with the most, Lawrence Henderson, and I am excited today because I have a sister-in-arms, uh, former Army First Sergeant, woo-woo, uh, <laughs> Miss Claudia Barros. Uh, Claudia, let the people know who you are. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Claudia Barros. Uh, I'm Lawrence, thank you for that warm introduction. I am a Sergeant, I served in the U.S. Army for 21 years. Um, I work with nonprofit to help veterans transition out of the military, and I am currently a resiliency and leadership instructor for the Resiliency Leadership Building Program. Wow. Oh, okay. So you went from being a first sergeant to being a resiliency instructor, and what in the like most veterans like myself, if I could have had that type of transition, going from leading troops, leading people to something like what you're doing. How did you land doing something like resiliency and being an instructor in that? Um, I was actually reached out to somebody saw my LinkedIn profile. Uh, They saw my background, uh, how I have passion for leading troops and leading organizations and bettering them through methods of resiliency. And they were, they reached out to me. They offered me to give me a certification in resiliency and leadership and I'm a self-learner. I love to learn new things. So I jumped on it and this is how I landed the resiliency job. Spoken like a true senior non-commissioned officer, always willing to learn lifelong learning and digging into further fellow man, fellow troops, just helping people be better people. Now this concept around, I've heard it thrown out really kind of cavalier around collective resiliency. Um, what is collective resiliency in the form of the way you uh, instruct and, and use that? So we all need some type of resiliency in our lives. We know that we need to bounce back. The Army did a great job of implementing master resiliency trainers throughout the Army to build that individual resiliency. Uh, what they haven't incorporated is the collective resiliency aspect, and that is building teams, being able to earn the trust of your peers, your subordinates, uh, everybody that works with you, learning how to be able to provide purpose. And even though that you're making some small widget within your organization or your the supply sergeant or whatever you may do in your organization, knowing that your role in that organization and that team is important and being able to deal with resiliency of a lot of, a lot of trials and tribulations that people deal with not only in the military, but also in the private sector. There is things and adversity that you go through, but building resilient teams help, it really helps build that collective resiliency that you have each other's back. Yeah, I I can recall when I first transitioned out, kind of mid 2015, where I was looking around for, you know, my, my assigned battle buddy somebody that I could do life with, like I, like I had in the army, somebody that could pull my coattails and tell me to get over here. And I've always leaned on a collective. Um, and, but on this side of life, why is 
why is that important? Because again, others, you know, they got the boot, pull myself by my bootstrap stories and all this other stuff that's out here. But what is it about collective resiliency and that team aspect about it that really um, hits home for a lot of people and, and is really relevant today? I think a lot of people, like you said, especially people that served the military, in the military, you know, the minute we walked into basic training, we put our hands out and they handed us a uniform. They told us where the dining facility was. They told us where the medical facility was. So everything was kind of handed to us. So we expect that battle buddy to have our, our right or left flank, right? Well, the private sector is a little bit different. You come out and so much stuff is out there. There's so many great resources, but so much is thrown at you at one time. Um, so you need to be able to be that self-learner and be able to go out there. For me, the collective part is being able to pull a team together and help people you know, transition, whether not only it's from the military, people transition on a daily basis. I've coached um, uh, college students that are going through a transition. That is a transition. They don't know what they want to do with life. Uh, I myself have a senior in high school this year. He will be transitioning to the college side of the house and he's learning that, you know, things are not going to be clear cut. Um, so having that collective resiliency of a team of people that have your backs is important. Building your own tribe, building somebody that has your back. I love that. Um, and one of the things that I am super passionate about is particularly because of who we were, right? Then that senior um, non-commissioned officer from the commission officer side of making sure that you put yourself in a position to be a resource for those who are depending on you. One of the things that I've encountered on this side of life is that all sometimes the person that got promoted into the leadership role was somebody who they were really, really good as an individual contributor. And so they didn't have previous leadership experience, but they're handed a team of 10 a team of 20, 30, and now they're supposed to go from peer one day to boss tomorrow of all these people. How do you implement something like collective resiliency in that type of environment? So it's for the military personnel that is going from that E4 to that E5. You are a peer to someone, right? But the next day, come July 1st, you're the sergeant, so you're given orders, you're being able to delegate, and now your friends see you as, you know, not a peer, maybe sometimes still a peer. Um, so there has to be some type of leadership. On the corporate side, you know, let's say somebody gets hired at Google and they're 18 years, 18 years old. Within two years, they're a boss of somebody, but they've never actually led anybody. So they're trying to learn and build their team, but don't know how to build their team. So building that resiliency and understanding that, you know, your team has diversity, you need to include people, that is very important for, for somebody to learn. Yeah, you, you, uh, you, you said one of my, my love language words um, in this season of life and it's inclusion. And, and it's, it's a real sexy word. Um, it's one that people like to put on their profiles and other stuff like that. But in action, what does inclusion look like? Inclusion is being able to allow people to have equal opportunity. You know, the military is a big ambassador of diversity and inclusion. You know, people of all, 
all over the world joining the military, right? Um, so being inclusive is understanding that people are individuals, but they also bring their special gifts to that team or sometimes their weakness that can be improved on through collective resiliency. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I always, it always seemed like, uh, I think, and I think we came across each other in our profiles, um, as I was looking to build out my tribe, um, my people, uh, and, and again, I do not make any bones about it. Like I love, love, love veterans just because it's that team concept that, that going into a fight, you need somebody on your right and on your left um, that, you know, again, is tried and true, but how does an organization, let's say they never met anybody from the military that came in with that built in innate team mindset. How do you build that in a team of individuals? So, understanding why, the why why are they part of that organization how do they make that organization better is is what brings them together it's not the paycheck sometimes not about the paycheck it's sometimes about the why and the why should be a, a major reason because that corporation or that company regardless if it's military or corporate sector it runs on those people so those people are the engine that drives and if they don't understand the why or why they're doing their particular job, whether again, if they're making a small widget or they're delivering something, that is a big piece of, of the strategic puzzle or a piece of that company's major infrastructure. Okay, I hear you. I hear you, Claudia. But um, nah, it's about the paycheck for me. Like I like money. I like money, and that's only and and that's the only reason why I'm here. And that's all I want to do. Right? Clock in. I, yeah. Right. And so, so, so I think you're dead on. And how do you build that in though? Because I know that's a response, but that didn't, you didn't have to come up with that. That's a part of you. And in collective resiliency, I believe, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's a lifestyle like that. It has to be a live thing. It can't just be something you flick like a light switch. You just flick this, flick this thing on. How, how do you turn this into a lifestyle? It is a, I believe resiliency is a muscle that we have to train. It is a muscle that we have to train and be able to add to that skill set. It doesn't happen overnight. We, you will have, and probably you and I, and a lot of leaders have had people that are not motivated or the, their motivation is different. It could be money. It could be, you know, different incentives could, you know, people require different incentives, right? It's a little different for everybody. I, I really believe that this resiliency is definitely a muscle that needs to be worked on. And by working on it, you're thinking on how to genuinely care for somebody other than just that paycheck. Uh, genuinely care for the why, you know? And if money drives you, then that next promotion, that needs to be driving you to be a better leader. I think every leader needs back occasionally. I would say an assessment. I do an assessment of myself at least uh, every six months. I try a year, if a little bit longer, uh, because things change. Things change in your life. And maybe it's not money. Maybe you just had a brand new baby or maybe you just got married. So, you know, there's different things that change your life and your viewpoint. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, because I, what, they, what came up for me while you were saying that is Maslow's hierarchy of need, 
right? And and it starts off that foundation. I need money to take, put, keep a roof over our heads. I need to pay for food. I need to pay for you know, my vehicle, basic necessities. And then there's that graduation, that evolution and keeping the main thing, the main thing. And I believe where, what happens to a lot of people is when there's no collective why, there's no buy-in um, about what they do on a daily basis, they just look at their jobs as a means to an end. Um, and I've actually had people say that, like, ah, oh, it's just a means to an end. It's just, I'm just here. Um, it's the Marshawn Lent old oh, quote. Oh, oh, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Like, I'm just going to go to work, do my thing. That's all I want to be. That's all I want to do is go, go do work and go home. And I believe that actually can eat away at a team. And as you do this work today, um, what are some things that you press upon um, people that are in your training in, in your workshops? To have that character, you're, a leader really needs to portray a certain character. Uh, be genuine, be authentic. You know, people can tell through a fake person really quick. And if it's not really quick, those smoky mirrors go away pretty quick, uh, pretty fast. Um, so you got to be able to be, again, do that honest assessment on yourself. Do I have moral character? Do I have values and attributes that will contribute to this team? Um, again, if you're just going with emotion and getting money and just like, hoping not to get fired, then it's going to be, you're going to be miserable. It's really going to be a job. I love what I do. I enjoy going to work. I love getting dressed and, you know, even if it's in my living room or here in my office, I enjoy coming and it's not, it's not even work. It's, it's something that I love to do. It's not, I'm not miserable. I'm, I, I don't regret driving anywhere or drive, you know, just trying to get to work. I enjoy what I do because it actually gives me the why. That is my why. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Um, I can remember being in that place where I was, I was in between frustrated and be, trying to, trying to locate my identity um, outside of uniform. Right. Uh, while in uniform, that's easy. I got my rank. I got my next position. Identity is easy. Right. But one of the things that I didn't understand fully was that I hadn't worked on me outside of that uniform. And and that could be a little daunting to not have any reps of building a muscle on what you actually want in life. And, and so how would you go about coaching someone from a development standpoint of what's like the first step they need to take towards finding themselves and finding that kind of happiness? I think you definitely mentioned it. Um, for the military personnel, it's really hard. Some of the people, it's really hard to let go of their their military identity, their rank. You know, I if I served as a first sergeant or if I had a driver or whatever it was, you're used to that lifestyle. It's unwinding and taking that set, you know, that step back and being able to to work on yourself and being able to say, this is where I am now. This is where I want to be. Being humble, being able to again. Have, be authentic, be transparent, be able to be honest with yourself. You know, a lot of us uh, think very highly of ourselves, which is great. Yeah. We are very decorated soldiers, right? Um, we're very decorated civilians. Um, but the main thing is to work on yourself and where you see yourself and your why. I, I think that's yeah. very important. 
Yeah, I I love doing an exercise. I had a coach early on I was introduced to you, um, probably late uh, at the first year that I was out. And somebody asked me, did, have I written a personal mission statement? And the idea of it was like, what? Like I, I've, written, I've written thousands of mission statements um, from being, you know, a lieutenant and infantry and all this other stuff. I've written thousands of them for the mission, but I never included me inside of a mission statement. And if I took what the elements of a mission statement and you take into account the purpose, vision, and direction that I want to take for my life, that was a hard exercise. That was a really hard exercise because I had this, I had the default button uh, quite, uh, response to everything. I just want to help people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like most of us, right? It's like, I just, I, I, we're servants, right? I was, I just want to help people. And then they were like, to do what? Uh, be better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look for that passion what drives yeah. you what is what is it that you were looking for right yeah. and you've got to have that honest assessment and that you know that honest talk with yourself yeah. uh, some people say you shouldn't talk to yourself well, other people say well if i want expert advice i'm going to ask myself right um <laughs> you know but realistically doing an assessment on yourself yeah. can be hard uh having peers do an assessment on you is hard right you got to yep. be able to take that constructive criticism mm -hmm. and nobody's a bigger critic of yourself more than yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to be able to, to be honest and open about it. Yeah. I think that was probably the most valuable piece of my transition was having my wife just kind of um, verbally smack me around a little bit and tell me like, go look at your resume, go, go look at the things you've done in your career. Like, that's the person I married. That's the person you evolved into. Like you got the goods. It's just a matter of you seeing yourself as enough. Um, and I believe that's a part of that collective resiliency is you're not doing this by yourself. Like if your tribe doesn't know what type of support you need, um, what type of feedback. And again, I believe we need to give people permission to tell us the truth or we'll continue to hear it wrong. And I believe the closest people to you, they, they should have that clearance to say to you, hey, snap out of it. Like, I, we love you, but um, okay, let's talk this out. What does this look like? And, and I believe, I love the concept of collective resiliency as a modality to learn um, and to develop. So how could somebody find that and, and connect with you as it pertains to, they wanna get in one of your workshops so they, it's really easy. They can go to the rbop.com website and they can see the certifications that we offer. We offer a couple different level certification based on, you know, uh, lower level, junior level and senior level. Um, so again, it's, it's, it's an exercise. It's a, it's a progress that you, as you go up and, and structure the hierarchy of your yeah. corporation, you know, there's different certifications for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what if somebody wanted you as a personal coach? How can they find you? 
So you can actually request me as a coach. Um, I've had a couple people personally request me and we have a great time. And a lot of people are like, well, you're an army first arm. You can't, you can't relate to a Marine or you can't relate to Air Force or any of that stuff. <laughs> actually, I was a military intelligence first sergeant. So I actually served with all branches and I've worked with DOD contractors and civilians and I've worked in the private sector as well. So it, it allows me to have that diversity. And I've, I have that experience throughout, you know, all different leaderships and resiliency uh, to help people with that adversity that they're dealing with. Yeah, that, I love that. I love that. Yeah, tell, I mean, we should let people understand, help people understand that because we were U.S. Army soldiers, we're actually a little bit more diversified than the other branches. So that is you and your single-mindedness not believing that we're diverse and inclusive enough of the other services. <laughs> so we help educate you on that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Well, Claudia, I appreciate you spending some time with me just so I, I can learn about you, my audience can learn about you, um, and just this idea of collective resiliency and all that it means and why it's important for all of us to, to have some form of it or all of it um, in our lives. And so thank you so much for uh, just sharing your time with me. Thank you for the invitation. I really enjoy, again, uh, RBOP is a very unique certification to have. And you can let people know that you are ready to teach and coach and lead resilient teams in that organization because an organization that's resilient is gonna be around for a long time. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in today to this episode of Hot Takes. Please be sure to explore the library for other amazing interviews. Until next time, actions over ideas always win.